Well, hello, Radiant. It is good to be together today. We are starting out our new sermon series called Radiant God, Trusting His Word. Uh, In this series, we want to consider together both the trustworthiness of the Bible and its place in our lives. Where else will we run? I don't know how you come to this series, uh, how this currently finds you in your view of scripture. Maybe you come with skepticism. Uh, Maybe you come uninterested. You're kind of like, what's the big deal? Maybe this finds you a little bit curious about the Bible and maybe, maybe you trust. Maybe you already believe. However this finds you, we hope that we will walk away in seven weeks more in love with the word of God and more in love with Jesus through it. I hope that we can walk away confidently trusting that the Bible is indeed God's word, living and active, our standard, our foundation of truth. Uh, We live in a world that encourages us to live your truth. Live your truth. Really? Really? Is it simply, uh, I think, or I hope, or even... I guess, that, that's not truth. That's just speculation. Is that all that we can do? Speculate about whether there is a God and what he is like and how we're supposed to relate to him. Frankly, I say, forget that. Like, if I'm gonna stake everything on something, If I'm gonna sake eternity on this, I want more than just speculation. Really, I want more than just you or I can come up with, can dream up in our heads. I want something sure, solid, unbreakable, and completely trustworthy that we can stake everything on. If God has not revealed himself to us, then we can't know him. And that means that we are lost and we are hopeless. But what if? What if, rather than leaving us speculating or guessing, God speaks. If that's true, that changes everything. I'm here to tell you today that God speaks, okay? God speaks. Four ways that we see God speaking. First, God speaks through creation. God speaks through creation. 
God reveals himself to us, generally to all humanity, through the things that he has created. Uh, Psalm chapter 19 says this. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day after day, they pour out speech, and night after night, they reveal knowledge. God preaches through creation, wordlessly but powerfully. When the sun rises in the morning, when the wind rushes through the trees, when the waves crash against the shore, when the stars light up the night sky, they are testifying to God's existence. They are testifying, preaching his greatness and his glory. They are clear evidence that there is a creator and he is good and gracious. I've said this before, but I'm gonna say it again. God doesn't believe in atheists. Why? Because he has revealed himself to us in creation. Romans chapter one says this, says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. It's plain to us because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they, so we are without excuse. He's, he's also created in us. He's built into each of us a sense of the divine, a sense of right and wrong, this inner voice, our conscience testifying to the existence of God and his law and our accountability to him. In Romans chapter two, Paul calls this the work of the law that is written on their hearts. God has chosen to reveal himself, to speak generally through creation, but there's not enough revealed by him in creation to save us. There's only enough to condemn us. There's not enough revealed by God in creation to tell us how we can be reconciled to this holy God. For that, we need him to speak even more clearly, particularly, because we can't know God rightly. We can't know ourselves rightly, and really, we can't know anything of true hope or redemption apart from the word of God. Romans chapter 10 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. God speaks through creation. Next, God speaks through words. God speaks through words, using human language. Okay, to say this, to say this is to invite all kinds of either hate or ridicule in our world. 
To suggest that the, the God of the universe would speak in human language is offensive to so many false religions around the world. And, and to declare that an invisible God who created everything speaks to us is considered absurd by those that don't believe in a God. But this is what we see across all the scriptures. It starts in Genesis chapter one with God speaking in creation and then, and then conversation with Adam and Eve in the garden and Noah and Abram and Moses in the burning bush and on top of the mountain and Isaiah and the prophets. He speaks directly to humanity and he speaks specifically through his apostles and his prophets. And he speaks in a way that's understandable to us. The God of the universe graciously, mercifully, lovingly stoops. He condescends in order to communicate to humans in a way that's intelligible to our feeble minds. God speaks through creation. God speaks through words. What words does God speak next? God speaks through his incarnate word. God speaks through his incarnate word, his living word, his word become flesh. If you have your Bibles, turn them over to Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one, Hebrews is towards the back of your Bible. Hebrews chapter one, we're gonna start in verse one. It says this, it says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things and through whom also he created the world. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus Christ is the ultimate revelation of God. He says here, previously he spoke in many ways and at many times to his people, how? By the prophets. But now he has spoken by his son. Jesus is the center of it all. In this passage, we see him as creator, as sustainer, as ruler as heir as our savior he is superior to everything and every one and all of his words right he says god 
speaks all of his words through the prophets come to life in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. All the Old Testament uh, predictions and prophecies are all from him and they all point to him. Uh, Matthew 5.17, Jesus says this, he says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And Jesus comes and says, it's fulfilled. It's accomplished. It all comes to completion in him. God speaks. He communicates to us through his son. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh spoken to us. Jesus is is sent by God. Jesus reveals God to us in this passage. It says he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And Jesus comes speaking on behalf of God. John chapter three says this, for he whom God sent, Jesus, speaks the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. God spoke through the prophets, the Old Testament. He ultimately spoke through his son, and now he continues to speak to us through his completed word. Fourth, God speaks through his written word. God speaks through his written word. So we have God spoke um, a lot of different ways through his prophets in the times past, the Old Testament, okay? God spoke and everything that he spoke through his prophets in the Old Testament points to him, okay? And then Jesus, the ultimate revelation of God. And now Jesus continues to speak, how? Through his apostles, as they record his life and his ministry and his teachings and explain him. Uh, John 14, 26, Jesus says this to the apostles, he says, Uh, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It's all from him and it all points to him. The Bible is God's way of revealing to us everything that we need to know about him. How to know him, how to follow him, how to live a life pleasing to him. Jesus, the ultimate revelation of God, points to his word as the revelation of him, as the final authority that mediates him to us. The the Bible isn't Jesus, okay? But it points us to him. 
He's provided his words as the means to his person. It's the way that we know him by the power of his spirit working through his word. So when the Bible speaks, God speaks. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where do, you, where do you see that? Turn over to the left in your Bible, just a couple pages to 2 Timothy chapter three. 2 Timothy chapter three. Let me show you this in the word of God. 2 Timothy three, look down. We're gonna start in verse 14. Paul is writing here to Timothy and he starts this out and says, but as for you, but as for you, Timothy, he's encouraging him, this is what I want you to do. This is how you remain faithful. This is how you are distinguished from uh, the false teachers, okay? But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Pause for a second there. Um, this is so cool. Uh, Paul comes to Timothy and he's like, this is how you remain faithful, Timothy. This is what I want you to do. Continue in the word. The sacred writings, the scriptures, and where did you learn those? Well, over in chapter one of 2 Timothy, we find that Timothy learned the scriptures through his grandmother, through his mother, and then later through Paul. Total side note, parents, uh, of all the things, uh, good and bad, that we could leave our children, are we leaving them with what matters most? Of all the things that we could leave them, uh, athletic ability, good looks, some of us more than others, uh, money, whatever, whatever we could leave our kids in this life, are we leaving them what matters most? The scriptures, God's word, and by leaving it with them, I mean more than just handing it to them. I mean, are we teaching them the word of God? If, if we come to the end of this life and we look back on the lives of our kids and we're able to say, I left them with what mattered. I left them with the Bible. They got nothing else, but they got God's word. We will have so much cause for celebration. Continue in the word, Timothy. It will make you wise for salvation. Okay, and then here we go, verse 16. Verse 16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, so when the Bible speaks, God speaks. 
How can you say that? Right here, verse 16, because all scripture is breathed out by God. Some of your translations say they're inspired by God. This word literally means God's breath. It's breathed out by him. It's his words. So when the Bible speaks, he speaks. How much of it? Well, it says all scripture, all of it is breathed out by God. And and all of it here even specifically means every single part is God. It's from him, his very words. But wait, wait, didn't men write this down? I mean, this is Paul writing this down here, right? So then, if that's true, how is it breathed out by God? How would he do that? That's, that's a good question. Turn to your right a few pages again. This time you're gonna go past Hebrews to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter one. We're gonna start in verse 16. Let me show you this in this passage. How did the Lord do this? 2 Peter 1.16 says this. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the, the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have a prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. Knowing this first of all. Pause right there. So Peter in this first section, Peter's like, listen, uh, scripture is reliable. It's trustworthy. And then he explains it like this. He says, we saw Jesus transfigured on that mountaintop and we heard a voice from heaven and Peter, James, and John got a, got a preview into the glory of Jesus that we will see at his second coming. And he's saying here, he's like, listen, everything that the law and the prophets predicted is true. We have a prophetic word more fully confirmed. He's like, we saw it. Like, we can testify to it. It's exactly what was predicted. Scripture is trustworthy and here's why he continues okay verse 20 knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
He comes and he says, listen, scripture is trustworthy, okay? We were eyewitnesses of all of this, okay? And you can trust it, and here's why. The scriptures are not from men. They are ultimately from God. They're not cleverly devised myths concocted from the imaginations of men. Men were carried along, guided, directed, led by the Holy Spirit. I love how clear and simple even this last part of verse 21 is. It says, men spoke. Men spoke from God. You see the the human and the divine that's in this book. Men wrote it. They didn't set aside their unique personalities or their writing styles. They actually wrote. But it's from God superintended by the Holy Spirit, human authors wrote down exactly what God wanted them to. Remember, all scripture is God breathed. And he did it by the work of his Holy Spirit, carrying them along, guiding them, directing them, protecting and preserving his word. Wow. Wow. You're like, oh, I still don't understand. Like, he didn't just dictate it all to them. They wrote as humans, but what they wrote was, is, the very words of God. Yeah. I don't understand how that's possible. That seems impossible. Let me ask you a question. Can God do the impossible? Can God do the impossible? I love uh, Acts chapter 26, verse eight. Uh, uh, Paul is, is, is preaching. He's giving his defense and he's talking about the resurrection, first of Christ and then the future resurrection of God's people when he returns and he stops right at this point in the middle of it and he just says why does it seem incredible to any of you that God raises the dead why does it seem incredible to you that God raises the dead with God all things are possible. He is the creator. He spoke the first words 
He made us and he puts words on our lips and connects them to our thoughts and we wonder, we wonder how he managed to carry along his prophets and later the apostles to write his very words. Of course he did. Of course he did. God speaks through his word, his incarnate word, his living word, and his written word. We believe that the scriptures, these 66 books of the Old and New Testament are God's words. And God, as we've learned over this past series, is truth. And he only speaks what's true, and he never lies. Therefore, the Bible never lies. And it's without error and fault in everything that it teaches. Uh, A pastor and theologian named Kevin DeYoung writes this in his book called Taking God at His Word, which I would highly recommend to you if you wanna continue studying this further. It's a great little book, uh, very accessible and thorough, and I love it, called Taking God at His Word. He writes this in this book. This is a, a long quote, so bear with me, but it summarizes this really, really well. It says this. God's gracious self-disclosure comes to us through the word made flesh and by the inscripturated word of God. These two modes of revelation reveal to us one God, one truth, one way, and one coherent set of promises, threats, and commands to live by. We must not seek to know the word who is divine apart from the divine word of the Bible. And we ought not read the words of the Bible without an eye to the word incarnate. When it comes to seeing God and his truth in Christ and in the Holy Scripture, one is not more reliable, more trustworthy, or more relevant than the other. Scripture, because it is the God, the breathed out word of God possesses the same authority as the God-man, Jesus Christ. Submission to the scriptures is submission to God. Rebellion against the scripture is rebellion against God. The Bible can no more fail, falter, or err than God himself can fail falter or err. This high view of scripture as the inerrant God-breathed word of God has been the position from the beginning. We are not just making this up now. This has been the view of God's people across the generations. The God of the universe has spoken. He has graciously chosen to reveal himself to us. And he desires for us to to know him and to be reconciled to him and to be in relationship with him. 
Are you listening? Are you listening? When, when you first start dating someone, uh, everything that you get from that person, you, you study it intensely. Uh, I remember when Amy and I first started dating, that's exactly what we did. Uh, every letter that I got from her, every conversation that we had, every message that she left me, like I analyzed it. Why? I was in love with her. Like, I loved her and we were in this relationship and she was important to me and I wanted to know her and be close to her. And I remember this one particular message that I left for her on her answering machine, which even saying that ages me a little. Uh, We'd been dating for a while and I hadn't yet told her that I loved her. Uh, I did love her. I I remember after uh, our first date, I came back to... Uh, my dorm room and my roommates were there and they're like, man, how'd it go? I was like, I'm gonna marry her. And they all just laughed at me, like hysterically at me. They're like, what? I'm like, no, I promise you, I am going to marry her. I love her, she's the one. Like, I don't need to look any further. She is perfect, she is the one for me, gonna marry her. It might take a while to convince her and it, and it did. <laughs> But eventually, she's gonna come around and she's gonna realize that she loves me too. Fast forward, okay, a little while later, we're dating. One day I come back to my room, I'm gonna call her. I know she's not there in her room. I'm gonna leave a message for her on her answering machine. I'm like, hey, Angel, how you doing? Hope you had a a great day. Um, Missed ya, look forward to seeing ya at dinner. All right, talk to you later, love ya, bye click and the second I hung up the phone I'm like no I did not just tell her that I loved her I mean first of all I'm gonna scare her away because it's way too soon for her to hear that from me second like even if I did tell her I loved her I wouldn't want to do it over the phone I'd want to do that in person and I'm like maybe if I just never talk about this it will all just go away and she did not hear me and I never said a thing about it and she never said a thing about it and years later after we're married it finally comes up and she's like oh my goodness when I got that I listened to that message like over and over and over again I'm like did he say what I think he said on the end of that and she called in like other girls that were in the dorm and her roommates and she's like everybody be quiet listen to this message and tell me what he said. Like, she was listening. Why? Because she cared for me. Because we were in a relationship. Because she valued what I said. Because she wanted to know how I felt about her. So she listened. How much more ought we to be listening to our Savior? And and the thing with him is we don't have to wonder if he's speaking. He is. Like, we don't have to wonder at what he requires or what his will is. 
We don't have to speculate as to his character. We don't have to wonder if there's hope and does he love me and will he save us. We know because we have his words. Are you listening? But I can follow Jesus without the Bible. Really? Really. You can, you can have a relationship with someone without a conversation, without listening to them, without knowing them. I mean, we even know in our human relationships that that's not possible. It's, that's nonsense to think that you can have a relationship without that. And yet so often, that's what we do with God. To leave this book on a shelf buried under a pile of junk mail in a day and time when his words are so accessible to us in our language is to plug our ears to the sound of the Savior's voice. And to plug our ears to our Savior's voice is unimaginable. It's not relationship, but I don't like reading, but it's really hard to understand. (laughs) But I don't have any time. I mean, have you seen my schedule? But, 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 listen, I, I get it. It's hard. And it may always be hard. It will require sacrifice. There will always be reasons to not. And Satan will be happy to whisper those reasons in your ear as often as he can but we have to decide if we will listen. We have to decide if we want to hear his voice. Where else will we run? All right, so what do I do, Nate? What do I do? Um, We're gonna tell you lots of things over the next seven weeks. We're gonna talk about quite a bit, but none of it happens without this first step. The first step is this. This week, pick up the Bible and read. This week, pick up your Bible and read and ask the Lord to meet you here in his words, to give you eyes to see and ears to hear. And if you struggle with reading, listen to it. There's apps for our phone. We can just listen to the word of God on our way into work or have someone read it to you. And and don't start in Leviticus. Like that's hard for anyone. (laughs) Start in a gospel, start in the book of Mark and set aside some time a little bit each day and read while asking the Lord by his grace, by the power of his spirit to move you from duty 
to delight and to show you his glory. God speaks. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away my sins, your sins. says, I choose to reveal myself to you. Will you hear my words? I'm speaking. Are you listening? Are you listening? Well, next week, how do we know it's God's voice? How do we know that these 66 books of the Old and New Testament are indeed the voice of God? Pastor Cody will be talking with us about that next week. Let's pray. Father, we love you. What a good gift it is that we have your words. Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you that we don't have to speculate or guess if you have spoken and what you are saying and what you would have us to do, Lord. You have given that to us in your word. Open our eyes so that we will see wonderful things in your law, Lord. Open our eyes so that we will meet you in these pages. Open our eyes so that we will know you and get a glimpse of your glory through your words, Lord. Teach us, draw near to us, grow our friendship together in this relationship. We love you so much. In Jesus' name.